0: We're going to be talking about um, trying to fight for joy while you're fighting fear at the same time. Fighting fear, fighting stress, anxiety, worry. When you're fighting those things, uh, that's not fun at all. In fact, you're losing sleep over it. Uh, You can't stop thinking about it sometimes. It's not fun at all. But we want to figure out how can we keep our joy, that, that sense of fulfillment. You may not be having fun, but you're... Fulfilled. You know you're doing exactly what God has called you to do. Um, and and that's, that's joy. It's a sense of fulfillment. You know, I, I recently saw this guy's sign that was on his desk. It, it read like this. I've got so many troubles that if anything happens to me, it will be two weeks before I can even start worrying about it. <laughs> Has anyone ever been there before? I've got so many things stressing me out. That's worthy of stress, but get in line. Get in line. It'll be two weeks before I ever get there. Um, There's so many worries and concerns going on around us. In fact, I talked to somebody between the services who works for an oil and gas company. Um, and uh, she told me, she said, "Look, uh, our company has already sent out emails uh, that at the end of this month they're going to be making a massive layoff, and um, so pray for me that I don't lose my job." Uh, oil and gas companies are are feeling the the hit, the thump of uh, a low barrel of oil. Um, And what's interesting is you don't have to just work for an oil and gas company to feel that. Uh, Allie and I have a friend of ours who owns an Italian restaurant, and he was telling me that he's feeling the effects of a low barrel of oil. I said, really, how so? You know, you're in the food business. He said, yeah, I'm in the food business, but he goes, I pay my bills... When I sell food, when I sell entrees, that's how I pay my bills. He goes, but where I make my money is in the margins. He goes, you know, when somebody comes in and, and they order a bottle of wine, that's where I'm making my profit. That's where I'm making my, my money. He goes, when the barrel of oil is where it should be, uh, people come in and they order a bottle of wine. He goes, but when it's down the way it is, they order a glass of wine. He goes, and so I feel that. And when I feel that, you know, it affects everything. So he can't hire more waiters and waitresses. He can't build his waiter and waitress staff. He can't hire more cooks, more people in the back. um, Because he's not making enough money in the margins. And that all circles back to oil and gas. In Texas, everything is kind of like a big web, oil and gas and housing. Um, uh, you, you notice that uh, builders like Lennar or KB Homes, it, you know, they, they put up houses so fast, you drive around your block and they're putting up another house, not just them, but all home builders. It's just Houston has always been a great place for the home business and the oil business, and it affects other businesses that are not directly dealing with homes or oil and uh, we're feeling that we're feeling that some of you are feeling other things different stresses different worries different concerns Jesus when he was with his disciples he said look I am about to go to glory I am about to go to heaven and he could feel that the moment he said that the moment he said it, he could feel them get worried. He could feel them get concerned. He could feel them get stressed out. And and this is how he responded to them in John 14, verse 1. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so... Would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Listen to that. And you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5. No, we do not know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea. Where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I don't know about you, but I connect to Thomas. Uh, Jesus says, I'm going away, and you know where I'm going? And Thomas goes, no, no. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I have no idea where you're going. I love that authenticity. Has anybody ever told you, hey, don't worry about it. You know that God has everything being taken care of. And you're like, "Um, actually, (laughs) I don't. uh, I have no idea what God's doing. You know that he's doing something good. uh, (laughs) I have no idea what he's doing. That's Thomas. I have no idea. And so the Lord feels that, and, he, and he, he gives them two things that can serve as a compass. Serve as a steering wheel. To be able to navigate through this season of stress. Seasons of fear, seasons of anxiety. You know that you have it when, when it's very difficult to ignore it. Before I go any further, I want to point out that there's two different types of fear. Not everything is spiritual. There's one type of fear called a primal fear. There's another type of fear called a spiritual fear. But I want to talk about just for a second, just for the sake of clarity. A primal fear is necessary because it protects us from harm. There are some fears that are very important to have. They keep you safe. In fact, every single one of you were all born as myself. We're all born with two fears. And these two fears keep us safe. Number one is loud noises. When you hear a loud, abrupt noise, it makes you go, why are you yelling, Frankie? I'm sitting right here and you have a microphone on. (laughs) Even babies, when there's a loud noise... They'll pop their head up and start looking around and start crying. Throughout your entire life, anytime you hear an abrupt loud noise, it is a primal fear that says, it tells your psyche. What this sound demands your undivided attention right now, there might be something wrong. It's a primal fear. The other fear that all of us are born with is we have a fear of falling. It's so interesting that, um, uh, I read one article when I was studying this that it's because in it, most of the time when the baby is in the mother's womb, they're actually upside down. And so psychologists believe, I don't know if this is true, that because they're going through that downward process, that it ingrains that fear. I mean, think about it. They were just so happy in the womb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything was so fine just one minute ago they didn't even have to chew it was like (laughs) they didn't even have to open their mouth and eat it was just like that was good (laughs) everything was just fine and all of a sudden out backwards going straight down like, whoa. And then if the baby doesn't cry loud enough, the doctor gets concerned. Oh, they should be freaking out way more than this. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, Ever since, uh, psychologists believe that that's where it originated. Who knows if that's true or not. But the fact of the matter is, is that everybody has a fear of falling. When a baby is able to hold themselves up while you're holding the baby, the baby will instinctively wrap their arm around this arm right here. So if you're holding a baby right here, the, the baby will hang on to your arm. And if, you, if they begin to get tipped backwards, don't ask me how I know this. <laughs> if you tip them backwards, they'll hang on. They don't want to fall. It's ingrained. It's ingrained in them. I have a two-year-old little girl. She walks on this little thing at the park. It's right next to the slides. It's only six inches off the ground. It's like a balance beam. And she'll walk on it as long as I'm holding her hands. She doesn't want to fall. Um, we, we don't like falling. Uh, most of us in this room have had a nightmare of falling. Falling. Raise your hand if you've ever had a nightmare. You, you notice that you wake up right before you hit the ground? Do you know why you wake up? Because you have never experienced falling that high and hitting the ground. So your psyche has nothing to tell you what that feels like. And so you always wake up because that's as far as you can get. Do you know how I know you've never hit the ground? <laughs> you're here (laughs) you see i'm brilliant dr ray it just comes to me it's just like down now i'm just kidding but we have these two fears so there's a primal fear and then there's a spiritual fear now this spiritual fear is what we've got to be incredibly concerned about because the spiritual fear is consumed with negative imaginations and it consumes you, it arrests your attention, and your emotions are held prisoner by them because you cannot stop thinking about it. And when you think about it, you're entertaining a negative consequence. And it always has something to do with either A, something that's happened in the past, either yesterday or years ago, that's going to come back and haunt you, or something in the future, in It's going to haunt you. It's going to be negative. But it's a negative imagination. You are imagining the scenario and it's negative. This is how you know when it begins to consume you and you cannot stop. Thinking about it, and your moods begin to sulk, you begin to go down, you can't sleep, you can't think. Even when you're talking to people about something else, you're really thinking about that in the back of your mind. This, my friends, is not. A primal fear. This is when the father of lies. That's what the Bible calls Satan. The father of lies. This is when he has picked you out. And he is going to ride your case. He is going to stress you out. I don't have enough money for the bills. I don't have enough money. And then what begins to happen. Is we become the worst version of ourselves. And so. When this happens to one of us, if you're a husband in the room, you become a real crummy husband. And you're just not the best version of a husband. You're not the best version of a dad. You're not the best version of a son. If it happens to a woman in this room, it is, you're, the, you're not your best you. You're your worst you. You're depressed. You're down. You're worried. You're concerned. You don't talk much. You don't laugh much. And you want people to stop talking to you. <laughs> Like stop talking to me. I'm trying to worry. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying to be stressed out. Mind your own business. I just want to stare at the screen and I want to watch all the channels at once in 30 seconds. I'm not watching any of this. I just want to do this and just leave me alone. Kids are talking. Da 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 da. We are the worst version of ourselves when this spirit comes in. And you know it's a spirit when you can't stop. Thinking about it. And when the Lord sees you and I, when this is happening, his heart of compassion begins to swell because he does not want you and I that worried, that concerned, that stressed out. And we know that because he looked at the disciples and he says, Don't worry. And he gives two antidotes. The first thing that he says is he says, trust God and also trust in me. So if you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you two points. But the first one is this, establish who your savior is. You got to figure that out once and for all. You've got to figure that out. Now, your knee jerk response is, I'm in this church, ain't I? If I'm coming to church, Jesus is my savior He you have may, you may have established him as the savior of your soul you've given your life to him and you're going to go to heaven one day. but have you established him as your savior period which means when you are in a rough patch, when you are in a rough situation who Is your savior? Who is going to help you? Is it going to be you? Are you hoping that your boss is all of a sudden going to do something awesome? Who is your savior? Jesus says it this way. He goes, trust God and me too. Watch what he says here. This is so incredibly important that in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 it says for god hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind he's saying this satan is messing with you he's messing with you that is not me i can help i can help now, let's unpack this a little bit. Because when, when God is coming to our rescue, He understands that there's a dynamic taking place that's bigger than what we can handle ourselves. That's why He's saying, trust me. I've got an article here that I want to read to you. It's written by Earl Nightingale. He says this, that there's something called the fog of worry. Let me read it to you. It says, according to the Bureau of Standards, a dense fog covering seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet is composed of something less than one glass of water. So if all the fog covering seven city blocks, 100 feet deep, were collected and held in a single drinking glass, it would not even fill it. And this could be compared to our worries. If we can see into the future, and if we could see our problems in their true light, they wouldn't tend to blind us to the world, to living itself, but instead could be relegated to their true size and place. And if all the things most people worry about were reduced to their true size you could probably put them all into a drinking glass too. It is well-established, it is a well-established fact, that as we get older, we worry less. With the passing of years and the problems each of them yields, we learn that most of our worries are not really worth bothering ourselves about too much and that we can manage to solve the important ones. But the younger people, they often find themselves obscured by the fog of worry. Yet here's an authoritative estimate of what most people worry about. Things that will never happen. 40%. 40%. Never, ever, ever going to happen. That is, 40% of the things that you worry about will never occur. Number two. Things over... And past that can't be changed by all the worry in the world, 30%. Number three, needless worries about our health. You're worried about your health and it's pointless, 12%. Petty, miscellaneous worries, 10%. Now here we go. Real, legitimate worries, 8%. Only 8% of your worries are worth concerning yourself about. 92% are pure fog with no substance at all. And I personally believe that hell laughs when we are so concerned about the 92% that's never ever going to happen. And our whole mood, our whole emotional system, our countenance on our face, it all drops. And we go from normally being like this to... our worst version of ourself, over 92% of our worries are never ever going to happen. And we're not our best version of ourselves. And Jesus looks back and he doesn't laugh at us. He doesn't mock us. Instead, he wants... Help. He says, I see where you're at. I see exactly where you are. I want you to trust God. I want you to trust me. And if today you only do one thing, you walk out of this room and you say saying, He's the Savior of my soul and He's also the Savior of every single worry and problem I have. Yeah. Let me see if I can begin to build your faith in this. If you're taking notes... <laughs> Write down Proverbs 16, verse 7. I'm going to give you three verses. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, He causes their enemies to make peace with them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Make Him your Savior, because if there's somebody jacking with you, (laughs) jacking is not in the Bible. But you know what I'm saying. That's called the Frankie International Version. If there's somebody jacking with you and making your life horrible, the Lord backs up and says, in my world, that's called an enemy. You keep on pleasing me and I'm going to make that enemy be at peace with you. Who is your savior when somebody is messing with you? It's not you. What are you going to do? Out ugly them? Are you going to out-jerk them? I talked about this a few weeks ago. I see your jerk, and I'm going to raise you five jerks. <laughs> you, you think you can out-clown me, out-jerk me, out-punk me? I invented punk. I will punk you so bad. Is that, is that our strategy? Is that really our strategy? Is that where we've gone? Absolutely not. What he's saying is I can make people who don't like you, I can touch their heart. And in one moment, in one moment, they'll be at peace with you. All of a sudden, they'll find something else to be mad about. They'll find something else to be a jerk to. They'll find somebody else to annoy, and they'll just forget all about you. And you're like, that's what God does. Second of three verses, Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom. He gives wisdom. God has a backpack full of wisdom and he just gives it to you. All of a sudden, you're brilliant. It's like, of course I understand the hydraulic cycle. just gives you the right answer he gives you the right understanding he gives you wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning he changes times and seasons i've talked about this three or four times over the past few weeks on purpose he changes seasons he's saying look you're in a rough season Don't depend on you. You're going to get stressed out of your mind. You're not going to sleep anymore. You're going to live off of bluebell ice cream. You're going to be in a bad mood. You're going to be grumpy. You're going to be all of these things. Stop depending on you. You and I get stressed out when we run out of answers. We don't get stressed out when we face a problem and we know the answer. We actually get a little cocky about it. It's like... But all of a sudden, a problem comes up that we don't have an answer for. And we're like this for days and weeks. And God says, look, I know you're in a bad season. You're not your Savior. I'm your Savior. I can change the whole season just like that. One email, one phone call, one discussion, one new relationship. You do not know all the people that you are going to know by the time you die. There are people that you do not know that when you meet them, everything changes. He blesses us through relationships. He's never one time taken a a bar of gold out of heaven and reached down through the floor of heaven through the ceiling of the earth and go, here, I want you to have that bar of gold. That's not how he works. The way he works is he sends in a new relationship that you don't have. Or a relationship that you already have. And they look at you and they say, I like you. I'm going to open up this door of opportunity. And you say, I think I'll take it. He changes the seasons. Establish who your Savior is. Are you your Savior? Or is God your Savior? He says this, look. Disciples, I know you're worried. Don't let your heart trouble you. Trust in God. Trust also me. The very last verse of these three that I want to share you with you is Psalms fifty six nine, the living Bible. He says, Every day I call for help, the tide of the battle turns. That's why we never stop praying. Ever stop praying. You pray in your head, you pray in your heart, you pray out loud, you pray in your head, you pray in your heart, you pray out loud, you pray in your head, you pray in your heart, you pray out loud, you pray in your car, you pray in the bathroom, my goodness. Anyone here ever turned the bathroom into a church before? Don't walk in the bathroom when I'm in there sometimes because I'll be going, I love you, I love you, Gene. You're like, Oh my goodness, I think I'll use it later and you'll end up walking right out. <laughs> Establish who your savior is. Because if you don't, what you'll try to do is you'll try to put all that pressure of changing the situation on yourself. Yeah. You'll bet that your intellect and your instincts will guide you. And that will become comical to you when you look back on it. It's interesting. I've got a white t-shirt here. And every time you see a white t-shirt from this day forward, I hope it reminds you on how our instincts and our intellect is so embarrassingly frail compared to God's. Watch this. There is an online dating site right now that uses body odor to match you with a mate (laughs) right now online go home check it out I got this story from ABC News okay online this is what they do you get online you type in whatever information they'll send you a white t-shirt you make an agreement not to wear any scents on your body no deodorant no perfume no anything for three days. <laughs> you put the shirt on. You don't take it off. you sleep sleeping in it, breathing in it, eating it, go to work in it. You keep it on. And then after three days, you send it back. They take pieces of the t-shirt and spread it out. They send you other people's t-shirts. You take the T shirt. You can't make this stuff up. You take the T shirt. I got a meter. I got a THIS IS HOW PEOPLE ARE GETTING HOOKED UP! Oh. He, he smells like... <laughs> Someone said, disgusting! Here's the truth. I don't even like the way I smell. When I woke up this morning, I took a shower straight away. And then I said, as premeditative, as, as what's the word? As, 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 pre- something maintenance, uh, 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 something preventative. preventative maintenance. Thank you. I put deodorant on because I knew the shower was only going to last so long. <laughs> so I put deodorant on, and then, I, and then on top of that, cologne. Why? Because I don't want you to smell how I really smell. <laughs> now, some of you are like, "Ooh, you stinky!" Oh. You- <laughs> Don't pretend like you didn't take a shower this morning. Don't pretend like you didn't put on perfume. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what that's all about. (laughs) Yeah. So, you smell. I got to meet her. Oh, she smells beautiful. What? What? Are you serious? Is this where we've gotten? We trust our instinct so much. <sighs> this is the one. I want I got to meet her. Is that where we've got? I think just me's talking here, okay? I think that when angels, I don't think angels laugh at us just because that would be so not cool, but let's just pretend for a second. They're watching people go. <laughs> now, God Who created stars, and the only reason why we're breathing right now is because he went. (laughs) Rather than depending on him, (sighs) this is what we've gotten to. I think angels are like, Do you see this? Do you, seriously, do you see this? Now, you and I might be sitting here going, I would never, ever, ever, dep- I would never do that. No, but would we depend on our email? This email is going to change everything. Here, here, let me talk to him. Let me talk, let me talk to her. This is going to change everything. I'm going to work 67 hours a week instead of 40 because I know that if I outwork the system, I will come out at the end. Is that, is, is that the plan? You're going you're to work so hard. You're going to work so hard that you're going to turn the tide. Is that? I feel like I just hit a chord just then. I'm not going to stay here long. You're going to work so hard. Your kids are going to see you less. Your wife is going to see you less. You are going to like you less. You're going to be exhausted. But the strategy is, is you're going to work so hard that you're going to turn the tide. Come on. Or we can say, You're the savior of my soul you're the savior of my day you're the savior of my job if this job doesn't work out you got a better job for me i depend on you for everything for everything now it's one thing just to say it it's one thing to say it and the lord is well aware of that sometimes he said he said this in the bible he said your lips are close to me but your heart is far from me we say the right thing but in actually fleshing it out what happens Your lips are close to me, but your heart is far from me. This is the Lord saying, look, you show me who your Savior is by the way you act, by the way you live, by the way you manage your life. I'm asking you, please don't do this. Please don't work in your own might. I've got you taken care of. Trust in me. And then number two, he says this to the disciples. He says, I'm leaving. Yeah, I know, I'm leaving. But... I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending a comforter. See, I love this. I'm sending you a comforter. If you want to read about the comforter, Jesus called the Holy Spirit by his name. His name is the comforter. Now, the Holy Spirit in the Bible, sometimes you can get caught up in the gifts that the Holy Spirit has, that the Comforter has, because the gifts are phenomenal. And I believe in all of them, capital all, bold print all, font size 76 all. I believe in all of them and I believe that everyone can operate in them. However, those are his gifts. It's not his name, and it's not even his primary assignment. He's just so incredibly awesome that when you're with him, he can't help but to give you gifts. He he loves you. He is as much of a person as Jesus is a person. In fact, Jesus said this, "And, and he will comfort you. He is a person. His primary assignment is to comfort you. He looked at the disciples and he said, you guys are worried out of your mind because you're not going to be around me. But don't worry. I'm going to send a comforter to you. And our job, number one thing we got to do is to say, I am not the one that's going to change this situation. That's not me. That is not me. That is not me. You are the one that's going to change it. You are my God. That's why I serve you. That's why I'm in covenant with you. This is why I do tithes and offerings. This is why I watch what I say, watch what I see, watch what I do. I serve you. You are the one, you are my savior. I love you. You are my father. But number two, there's a comforter in this world and I am going to pursue the comforter. I am going to develop a relationship with the comforter. Do you know what the comforter does? The comforter not only comforts you, But the Bible says that he teaches you all things and brings all things to your remembrance. In other words, when you're in the middle of a situation, right at the right time, you will remember a scripture out of nowhere and it will comfort you. You will remember something that gets said in this church at the right time. And it will comfort you. He will bring things to your remembrance. And if you've never heard it before. He will teach it to you himself. He will bring all things to your remembrance. And teach you all things. This is your comforter. This is who you pursue. And how do you pursue it? You keep your eyes locked on Jesus. You talk to him all the time. And in The process, without you realizing it, the comforter is seeping into you and through you like a wet sponge. The sponge does not concentrate on being soaked. It just concentrates on getting wet. The soaking takes place by itself. There's a a British test pilot named Henley told you guys this before probably about nine months ago he was flying a plane he was testing the plane and he got really high and all of a sudden he looked down and he was losing fuel faster than he should he knew he did not have the time to turn around and go back to where he came from he didn't even have the time to find another place safe landing place he didn't have that kind of time And so he thought the only thing that it could be, because he's got so much experience, he went down, he just thought lightning fast. I bet you there's a rat on the plane and he's chewing through my fuel line. So he couldn't go down and he couldn't go back. And see, we find ourselves in those situations sometimes. I call that seasons in the hallway. Where you can't go back to an old season that was really good. And you can't open up a door of opportunity so you can step into a new season because there's no doors open. So now you're stuck in the hallway. You can't go back and you can't go forward. Is there anyone here that's stuck in the hallway? You can't go back and you can't go forward. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do next. You're in the hallway. Henley, he can't go back and he can't go forward. There's a rat in the mix. And so what he does is he takes the plane higher. High, 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 high. He puts on oxygen. High, 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 high. He goes so high that he knew that once he hit a certain altitude that that rat could no longer breathe and it would die. And what you and I have to do We establish our Savior. We pursue our Comforter. We go to a place. We pursue Him so much that our worry and our concern and that spirit of fear can no longer go where we are at you can't follow me where I'm going I'm spending so much time in prayer I'm spending so much time worshipping that's all I do I worship in the car I worship in the morning I worship in my head I worship in the shower I even worship while I'm eating it's in my head I'm not going to let food fall out of my mouth but I'm, I'm worshipping all the time your emotions and your heart and your spirit is gone to a place where the spirit of fear can't come with you the whole Jesus knew that fear and anxiety was going to be a big deal. And he did not want that to hold us back from walking in the joy and the fulfillment that he established in our life. But it's up to us if we decide to pursue him and cultivate that or not. Let's all stand to our feet for me please. I'd like the prayer partners to come down. I want to share that scripture again um, that I shared at the beginning of service in Isaiah chapter 49 that he has written your name on his palm. He has written your name on his palm. Isn't that awesome? Written your name on his palm. You know what's so cool about that? I don't know if anyone's like me, but (laughs) if I have any marks on my hands, like dirt, oil, a pen mark, it's the number one thing on my mind is to wash that off. If I'm outside working and my hands are filthy dirty, that's fine. But as soon as I'm done working, I want these clean. I don't want to stare at dirt if I don't have to. I don't want to stare at marks if I don't have to. The Lord says, I want, I want, I want to stare at your name. I want to look at your name all the time. I want to look at it. That's how much He loves you. He loves you so much. And He says, every time you pray, every single time, every single time the tide of the battle is going to turn, I love you that much. In sales, they teach you, I used to be in sales, that um, no means next. If you tell me no, a good salesman, they don't get moved by it. They don't even hear it. They just go on to the next person and just don't even hear it. Just boom, boom. No means next. I want you to know that there's something that God doesn't listen to. After you have asked him to forgive you of your sins, when you mention them again, he doesn't even hear it. It just goes right over his head. Just doesn't even hear it. But you don't know it. Just doesn't even hear that. You don't know what I've done. I love you that much. Your name is on my hand. But you don't know. But I love you that much. You, you do not even hear it. I love you that much. But, but, but. I love you that much. I'm sorry. I've said sorry 79,000 times for the same thing. I love you that much. He loves you.